And hello, movie lovers, and welcome to the show. With me, I have a very special guest. I actually had the privilege to be able to review her film. It is called Bernie the Brilliant, and it's just a brilliant film, to be honest with you. I ended up enjoying it so much. The Western Wonder was here with me reviewing this film. Uh, but yeah, her name is Gabriela Garcia Medina, and I cannot wait to go on ahead and just dive into this. I really enjoy this film. It's a very sweet film. It's only a 25-minute short film, but you get so much meat, so much stuff to dissect from. So let's go on ahead. Let's do this. And hey, Gabriella, how are you? Hi, I'm so good. Thank you for having me on your show. You're very welcome. It's a pleasure to be able to do this with you. Uh, it's a pleasure for you to be on here. I really enjoyed your film, of course. I was also very moved by how much you loved the uh, the review that we've done. Yeah, I mean, it's so funny because you emailed me to interview me, but I had like, we like crossed paths because I'd seen your review and I was so moved by it. I watched it with my husband and we we're like, oh my God. Uh, and I had messaged you like via Instagram to be like, hey, this was so cool. Thank you so much. I'm so honored. Um, so I'm really, really happy to be here talking to you. Um, yeah. And, I, and I'm glad you love Birdie. I, you know, your review, it's like, uh, and it's what I told you on the Instagram post. It's like so many times as a filmmaker, like I have this vision in my head of what I want people to get from my movie, but then I have to execute the movie and you never really know if it's going to transcend into real life the way that it's in your head. And, and hearing everything you guys were saying about the film, I was like, yes, this landed. Yes, this landed. So, um, so yeah, I was just really, really happy um, from, with your review. Thank you. I'm so moved by that. And also too, I was moved by your Instagram message as well. And to be able to know that I hit the areas that I needed to hit as well, because the color scheme for this movie is fantastic, though, with the purple and how you actually got the lighting and stuff like that for for Birdie. And like I've mentioned when we were in the green room together, I actually like how in my notes you're ex you're doing exactly what I uh, what you're doing exactly what my notes said. I said this looks like a commercial for a casino, and then. All of a sudden, you see the main character watching the show and looking up to Birdie, and it's actually a, a commercial. And I'm like, okay, so I can just mark that off because of the fact of how meta it was. But I definitely like your style, I like your direction. I like how you were doing this, and this is just fantastic. Thank you. And let's see, Matt asked, uh, are you going to submit Birdie the Brilliant for Academy Award consideration, hence the Holly Shorts? Well, that's a really good question. I think that you can only submit to the Academy Awards if you win an award at one of the Oscar qualifying festivals. So since we did not win an award at Holly Shorts, uh, the answer is not yet. Um, but we were just selected at the Chicago International Children's Film Festival, which is also Oscar qualifying. Uh, we just found out like two days ago. So there's still, you know, a possibility for Birdie to be in the running for an Academy Award. However, with that said, I don't need to win an Academy Award uh, to know that our film is really good. Um, just hearing reviews like like you guys's reviews um being in a room when my film is playing and hearing the audience respond that is absolutely enough for me um so yeah you see i think that's actually a right way to go about it though to be honest with you because mm -hmm. of the fact that you don't need 
an award to show an appreciation, just as long as you have people that understand what you're going for. And it's actually hard when you're writing something down in the script and the writing and the direction. It's like, do I really have something special here? I'm hoping that people will actually grasp it. I hope that people get it. And what if they don't? And that's actually the stakes that you actually take whenever you're doing something because you don't know where it's going to go. You don't know the people that it's going to end up transcending over or anything like that either. So yeah. when you hear something like us doing this review and then you see it and it's like, okay, this is what I'm after. This is what I'm after because this is the goal that I want. My goal is not having a trophy for recognition. It's the fact that I'm actually capturing the audience that I need to capture. The irony is that I think that's how you end up winning awards is when from the beginning, from the process, from the development phase, if you're thinking, oh, I really want this to move people. Oh, I really want this to have this effect on my audience. Oh, I really want the colors to feel like this because I love this process. And like, if you're thinking about those things, then I think the irony is that you make work that resonates and therefore ends up you know, getting awards. But if you, I've never gone into anything thinking, Ooh, am I going to get this award for this? Um, it's just, it doesn't matter really. Um, and then you don't make the work isn't as good because your intention behind it isn't as, 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 as heartfelt and as, as grounded and as real and as genuine. Exactly. And that's also how I feel about doing the podcast, for example, too. Like when we get something that's big, I'm not going after something big. I'm actually going some, like I have like a medium where I, where basically, okay, if I get something big, I'm very, let's see here. I'm very, you know what I mean? And more heartfelt by it versus going after something big. So that's actually, I think how you actually see it though, too, is I'm not going to go on ahead and go after something that's bigger than what I'm going for. If I get there, I get there. If not, I'm not. But I mean, yeah, I want to, I want to succeed and I want my films to be loved and I want them to do well. And I want them to be seen by so many different audiences. Um, but the human, the humanity of the reward is greater for me than a material reward or a reward. Same. That makes sense. Yeah, absolutely. Because it humbles ourselves to be able to appreciate things whenever they come versus it being something bigger and knowing that you're expecting something. I'd rather humble myself before I actually uh, go after something bigger. That's just how I, how I am. But, you know, the thing that I really have to say, and Matt actually told me about this, was the part where they're trying to sneak into the casino, main characters, and you got in there, and of course you have uh, President Biden that's actually in town. Therefore, you guys had to try and figure out a way to work around the traffic and stuff like that. And I didn't even feel like anything was slowed down during that process and stuff like that, too, because how fantastic the editing was. And I just like how you have the grandmother sneaking into the back into the hotel that she used to work for and having a friend there to try and see her grandson's idol being over there. I think that those shots were fantastic. I also like the music in this thing, especially with the uh, montage of uh best friend calling up everybody all the contacts and trying to get this thing together i thought it was really good yeah so i made the movie in collaboration with 150 warner media and latino public broadcasting and we had support from film independent we have fiscal sponsorship from them we also had free camera from the camera division i bring that up because thanks to 150 i was given access to their music library <clears throat> so i was i had this entire access to the warner music library 
And <clears throat> I really, in my last two shorts, I had licensed songs. Um, but in this short, it, it was just too expensive. And I don't know how much you know about like licensing music, but yeah, like- it costs about 15,000 to 20,000. And then if you go to get distribution, then you have to license it again. And you, you're like tracking down the master rights and the sync rights. And I did that all myself because I didn't have a music person. Um, so for Birdie, I was like, well, you know, if I have access to this Warner Media Music Library, I'm going to find songs that sound like the songs that I would, you know, license. And I'm just going to write the music. Uh, and so that's what I ended up doing. I, I pitched to like, cause you can pitch to the Warner media uh, music library. You can say, Hey, can you send me songs that sound like this? And I wanted like this Rafaela Carra, like 1970s Italian pop. Like there's this like ingenuity and this like um, innocence to that kind of music from that time period. And so what I got back was this, you know, this huge library of potentials. And then the ones you heard was the ones that I felt mostly resonated to this tone and the style. Um, so that's really how the music came to be. See, I think that's actually good that you picked out something that's the innocence because it's also going within the innocence of the child and how mm -hmm. she would actually uh, look at certain things. So I think that it actually, I actually like that whole entire popish kind of sound to it, especially when we have Birdie on the stage and then you also have uh, her doing the whole entire magic trick and also to having the grandchild watch it. I like that whole entire dynamic because it shows the innocence of the child and it's not and the music is a character of its own self. Good. So you did a fantastic job of picking it out. And of course, you know, uh, but yeah, Birdie is a, okay. But you know, what I'm trying to say is this though, I think that you, after the essence of the innocence and the music as a character you know so I, I think that's it. fantastic and I just think it's just a beautifully well executed whenever it comes down to that and yeah music can be expensive because I know between $15,000 to $20,000 depending on okay. what you want because for instance with the Sopranos and stuff like that um, I know that David Chase had to go through at least $15,000 to $20,000 worth of music for him to try and choose for each scene so it can be costly if you oh, don't yeah. if you don't try and pick something out that's a little bit more within your budget um but i also want to mention this though okay the thing that usually whenever something sticks out for me and it's the, actually the musical number it turns into like a stage play and normally it would take me out of the movie or whatever but for me it enhances the imagination of the grandchild so okay. therefore it didn't take me out of it and I totally get it. And I thought it was just funny about how all of a sudden it turns into like a musical number and the stage doesn't even feel like a big stage anymore. Like, you know what I'm saying? Like you changed the frame to where it's more like smaller in scale. And yeah, I thought I, heard you I like that. in the review and I'm like, yes, he picked up on that too. <laughs> but what was yeah. the idea for that? That that's something so that I was because so you're so yeah, so it's the funny that you pick up on that. So when he's watching the commercial. It's the TV frame. So when he's having his imagination come to life, it's in the way he watched the commercial, which is in the TV frame. And that's why the screen shrinks for that, that moment. I think that's actually fantastic to do something like that because I've never seen someone use the camera the way you use the camera to tell the story within the child himself. So I thought that was perfectly well. And also too, I like the whole entire grandmother and grandson dynamic 
I thought that was really cool because nowadays everybody's like, oh, I want it now. I want it here. I want it now. Well, you have to work for it. Nothing's given to you. And I like those things. So my question is this. So were you brought up in an era where it's like, okay, well, if you want something, you got to work for it. There's nothing that's oh, yeah. given to you. And I was brought yeah. up in the same way. And I thought, and I picked up on that instantly where I was like, okay, well, the grandchild is now doesn't have that much money uh, to actually get the ticket that she, that he wants. So he has to go out there and figure out a way. So you have to make money or spend money to make money. So now he's learning the value of working and not only working, but spending money to actually make something out of nothing. Yeah. So I like that. Learning the value of a dollar. <clears throat> exactly. Absolutely. Um, about the dynamic though, there was a couple of things I wanted to say. Yes, I grew up in a working class immigrant family that hustled just to make ends meet. Um, but they did, they showed me the value of hard work. Um, I always had to like figure things out. I was selling like lemonade on the street corners. I was, uh, I remember my aunt would buy like these big bags of candy and then I would separate them into little bags and then I would sell them uh, at, the, at the bus terminal uh, to make some money. So there's a lot of that sort of childlike entrepreneurship in Birdie that I wanted to explore for sure. Um, but also in terms of the dynamic between grandma and, and grandson, I, something that was really important to me was to show this young boy, this young Latino man of color, young boy of color, who is interested in this drag king, drag queen performer, but it's not, grandma never like talks about it. Like, Hey, it's okay to like this thing or like, Hey, you know, drag queens and drag queens, like there's no, like, it's just normalized. And I really wanted to have this very normalized, um, experience with this beautiful, magical being. Um, and so that's another, uh, element of the dynamic between them that I wanted to make sure was there. See, that's something else that I noticed with the film. It's like normalization whenever you have the magician on the screen and he's over there doing the magic tricks and stuff like that. And it's not in the in the person's in drag. It's never explained. It's just like, okay, so this is what my grandson's into. This is what he's into. I'm exactly. not going to be harsh with him on it or anything like that because he's a, at a young age where he doesn't understand it or anything like that. So I'm just going to let him be and let him enjoy something and not take away his joy from something. And that's what yeah. I got. And I really didn't want people watching it to feel like I had this agenda of, ooh, watch this movie about accepting, you know, the drag community. Like, just to, you accept it by just putting it out there and letting it be and making it beautiful. You don't have to like, oh, look at this, right? And so right. that's something that's really important in my work too. Like, I want to talk about class. I want to talk about, you know, gender identity. I want to talk about being Latino. I want to talk about uh, the American dream, but I don't want to hit you over the head with it. Like, look at, I have this agenda. I just want to show you something, make you laugh, and hopefully you you'll just see this thing be normalized um so that's really something that's very important to me as a creator exactly and that's how how i saw the film though to be honest with you because i didn't feel like it was you were trying to make a statement you were just letting the film be the film and letting us figure things out on our own and i think and also too that also goes with the grandson too he tries to let him figure things out as a, on his own just as we're trying to figure things out as well with this movie without having to make a political statement without having to try and be something and you did a fantastic job at showing that and it's very simplistic and everything too i really love well, how simple it was the fact that it exists and you know 
this also another thing I like was you got to sh- see the Latino community within this film though too. And I also like how the grandmother's receptive to other people and everything too, especially when you get into this one part where she's sewing stuff for other people and she's receptive of other people and their beliefs and not only their beliefs, but who they're with as well. So I definitely like that whole entire dynamic where you have the boy, the boyfriend's uh, knock on the door and, oh, okay, well, she sewed something for them. She just goes on hand, makes the money and go they go about their business or whatever and that's it. And I like that because of the fact that it's showing the mother's like, I'm accepted of you, of who you are, just as you're supposed to be accepted of me as I'm trying to do something nice for you. And that's something that I got from that as well. Yeah, I mean, grandma's a hustler too. Like yeah. you can't survive on a working class job and raise a kid and, you know, you, you need a hustle. Like we're constantly having to hustle to make ends meet and to survive in America because America's not built for everyone, you know, the same. No, so a lot of my characters are hustling and figuring it out. That's that's a fantastic thing. And matter of fact, Matt winded up asking, will there be a continuation of Birdie the Brilliant A Part 2? Probably not. Um, I think Birdie is whole and complete and it exists um, as it is. And I, I love that it exists and I love how it's being received. Um, I don't feel like I need to, I think it's a complete whole story. Um, and I don't really have... I don't, I haven't really thought about where it could go or a part two. Um, I have so many other projects that I want to create and so many other worlds that I want to build and so many other stories that I feel like Birdie is whole and complete and um, is currently living its festival life and living its distribution life. Um, so I'm really just happy with, with where Birdie is. I could definitely see it as a one-off, to be honest with you, because I yeah. think that everything ties in beautifully well together and we're perfectly well-crafted. But my other thing is, too, do you have other things that you're working on right now that's currently in production to where it's like, you know, I have this going on the festivals, getting good vibes, but I want to work on something else. Is there another passion project that you're currently working on? Yeah, so I am. I have a lot of projects, honestly, just waiting to get going. Um, a couple of things, the SAG strike, the WGA strike have made it really difficult, um, but not I'm so happy that the strike is happening the, the situation is what's difficult, not the, you know, not WGA or exactly. SAG uh, by any means. And I benefit from, from this deal, you know, that, that SAG and WGA want. So I'm very grateful for the strike to be happening, but at what that's, what's happened is a lot of my projects have had to be put on hold in support of, of everything that's going on. So yeah, I have all these feature films that I want to like sell and that I want to make. Um, but I'm just sort of holding them to my heart right now. And, taking this as a time to really look at my writing and and know that there's no rush to get it to any producer. So I can really sort of relish in the story and the characters. Um, so really that's what I've been working on, um, you know, for the last few months. But I do have a couple of short films that I would love to get made. Um, I'm waiting to hear back from Latino Public Broadcasting to see if we're going to collaborate again on a couple of other movies that I pitched to them. Uh, I should find out hopefully by the end of this month, early October. Um, 
I'm very hopeful because we had such a good sort of relationship with Birdie that I feel like, okay, we're probably going to keep working together. Um, but yeah, and speaking of Latino public broadcasting, it's really, really important uh, to mention just how amazing this organization is. If you haven't heard of them, you should definitely look them up. It's latinopublicbroadcasting.org. Um, they basically finance Latino stories, um, Latino documentaries. But yeah, so what they're doing is so crucial. And one of the organizers from Latino Public Broadcasting was telling me that they're, the House is voting to take away public funding from them. So wow. stories like Birdie, for example, wouldn't be able to be told without the support of organizations like Latino Public Broadcasting because studios are not throwing money at me to make my movies. They don't care about my stories, but organizations like Latino Public Broadcasting and 150, they do. And so uh, for that reason, it's just, I really want to just say how grateful I am to them and bring everyone's attention to that organization, latinopublicbroadcasting.org. Um, if you are a Latino filmmaker, uh, if you're a supporter of Latino art and film and culture, definitely check out their website and, and try to support them in whatever way you can. Most definitely, because you want to actually have the best people that re represents who you are culturally and also who you and stuff like that, too. And I think, you know, that you need to have that in in this in this town, you know what I mean? And doing oh, yeah. filming and stuff. And I think that th that's actually the right way to go about it is you need to actually have the Latina uh, Latino community standing by you and by your side with this Absolutely. and I think that you know I think it's a brilliant thing to have the net with networking and things like that and I wouldn't be surprised if they go on ahead and pick you up again to network with you because Birdie is such a great pleasure to be able to review and to be able to uh and also to watch it's a brilliant film I definitely enjoyed it um then also too with the with the SAG uh strike and stuff like that like you mentioned it does give you a chance to sharpen your skills as a writer and director and figure mm -hmm. out where you want to go next and sharpen some edges, if you will, with some of the character yeah. building, world building that you want to do. So it is good to have the strike, but it's also sad to have the strike though too, mm -hmm. because of the fact that I think that you need to have equal pay for, for everybody, Absolutely. not just for certain individuals or anything like that. So I'm standing right behind them as well with Same. this. And I was like, well, I wish they would actually just go ahead and pay what they need to pay. I said, yeah, I wish they would too, because as viewers, we need something new to watch. And and if you don't have anything because of the strike, it's on the production companies, it's on everybody else. That's why I, I told them, I said, well, you need to watch indie projects because indie projects is the best thing going right now. If you're looking for something, I said, you need to watch Brody the Bro um, brilliant to be honest with you and they're like well what's that i was like so i end up explaining this i actually have watercolor conversations with my co-workers about movies because they know that i actually do a podcast on a youtube channel like well what are you watching i said well i watched birdie the brilliant that was a good short film i watched a couple of other short films within the holly shorts film festival and i also put links to each review so you guys can go ahead and watch it if you guys choose to watch it I said, that way it gives you something new and fresh while the strike is happening because we don't know how long this is going to take. And we as viewers are actually having a hard impact on it as well. But here's the thing. You guys are having a 10 times harder uh, outlook on it, though, too, because this is your bread and butter. This is what you want. 
And so, therefore, you want the equal pay. You want the equal rights. And you guys deserve to have it and everything, too, because of the fact that you need to have, like, for instance, for something with a bigger budget, you need to have a studio or something backing it. Otherwise, it's not going to end up doing well. And I think also, too, this AI stuff is very dangerous. Oh, yeah. Agreed. As well. And I'm the type of person that's like, yeah, I, I like AI in a certain aspect, but at the same time, there's no originality behind it. There's no face to actually show who that actual person is. Anybody, it's just a filter on somebody else's face pretending to be somebody and you're not going to pay them? No, I don't like that. Yeah. So, yeah. Uh, but no, going back to your film, though, uh, I just, another thing, too, is I also like how the grandmother is over there in the housekeeping, doing housekeeping, and it goes and goes, well, I have a magic trick, too, and then all of a sudden it goes into this, like, 1950s, 60s style and her generation of how she does things. So it ha she has her own theme song. So that's what I like. I like certain themes within this movie itself. Yeah, I think I just wanted to show... Uh, grandma being a little bit more practical than Birdie. Birdie's still in this magical world. Grandma's more like in the hustle, like let's work shit out. Sorry, I don't know if I can say that word on here. Yeah, you can. Um, but so grandma is like, oh, you want magic? Like check this out. This is what real magic looks like. It's it's really, and the, the unsaid words are, it's working really hard to make ends meet so we can put food on our table. But look, I do this very gracefully. Um, so that was really the sort of the point with that little sequence right there that you're, you're, you're talking about. I definitely enjoyed it. And, you know, I want to review anything else that you send in to me because of the I will. fact thank that- you. Thank you. Please do, because I, I really do. I really enjoy your style. I really enjoy the dynamic with everything. Um, but that's pretty much everything that I wanted to touch on as far as Birdie, uh, with this movie and everything. And it just touches me and it sticks with you. This movie sticks with you. That's another thing I want to mention because sometimes I'm like, I'm watching a certain magic show or I'm watching a certain movie and I'm like, I just happen to just go back and just rethink about the film. I'm like, that film just has legs. It has legs in reach into short film festivals and stuff like that. I wish you nothing but success with it. Thank you. Thank you so much. Right, well, yeah. So that's going to be it as far as this interview goes, but I want to have you on again and just talk to you more because I love your whole entire vibe of the hustle and, and stuff like that and just grinding and doing things to, uh, to improve your skills and to also give us something more. Uh, oh, so yeah. You said something in your interview, not this one, but the last one that I watched about the magic and magicians and how you didn't know that much about magicians. I think that was you, right? That you were saying. Yeah, that was me. And uh, something that I'm really like, I did see, I remember seeing a magician when I was eight years old at a birthday party. And um, something, the reason why I was so attracted to magicians in this story is because I'm really attracted to the hustle and to making something out of nothing because I feel like as a community, as a Latino community, um, as an immigrant community, you're constantly making things out of thin air. You know, you're like hustling, you're making lemonade out of it, right? So right. Um, the idea of the magician was also in line with this sort of hustle world and this, um, you could literally create something out of nothing. Um, so that's one of the reasons why I wanted to be a magician. It could have been anything else. It could have been a drag performer. It could have been, uh, I don't know, a 
show singer. Um, but I think there was something about the magician job that also resonates with the idea of the hustle and the idea of, of having to figure it out and to create out of nothing, out of, out of the little that you have. Right, because a director can also be a magician too in his own, their own selves though too, because you're creating something out of nothing just as a magician's creating something out of nothing and also doing these magic tricks and and of course changing lenses can be a chain uh, uh, with uh, the lenses of the uh, of stuff though too can also be a way of actually maneuvering things around like a magician does too. So yeah, I could definitely see that and everything. And, you know, I think that you said that people can watch Birdie pretty soon. It's available right now. You can right. go on PBS. Uh, we're on PBS. Um, you put PBS Birdie the Brilliant and it will pop right up and anyone can watch it anytime. So my last two films, they distributed with HBO Max, which is awesome. I love HBO. Like literally so many shows on HBO that I'm like, oh my God, my films are like within the world of the things that are curated for HBO. Like that's great. But what I love about PBS and the fact that Birdie is on PBS, it's that it's accessible to everyone. Um, like literally, and you don't have to pay for a subscription. It's for all. And I believe that art should be for everyone. So I'm really excited. And I'm so honored that Birdie is on HBO. And now all your viewers have no excuse not to watch it because it's free. Exactly. And as a matter of fact, I'm actually going to have the link in the description below after this interview, and I'll edit that part into the description notes and stuff like that for everybody to click on, because I want them to have the same experience that I had watching this movie. And I th and I don't think that art should be separated. This is also one bad thing about streaming because of the fact I think the art is actually separated from everything else. And before you know it, you're paying a gigantic, um, basically a gigantic cable bill. If you think about it instead of cable, it's oh just God, it's seriously. Exactly. Like $15 anyway, here and $20 there. And like, then you're like, wait, this is way more expensive than cable was. Like cable was like 50 something or 70 at the most. And like, now right. you're just like. Yep. Just letting that money rain on other mm -hmm. streaming services and stuff like that. And, you know, I think that art should be as in one continuity and not should be separated. So I did cancel, streams. by the way, I did cancel all of my subscriptions to all the streaming services because of the strike. I'm like, well, I'm going to just not my money. So, I mean, also I, because I'm like, shoot, what do we need to cut back on our expenses? All right. Well, guess what? Because you guys aren't caving, I'm going to just not give you my money. So I have literally just deleted, like canceled everything. That's very bold of you. I like that. I like that whole entire strategy. It's like, well, you're not going to give me nothing. Guess what? You don't get nothing from me either. And I definitely like that movement. I think that everybody. PBS though is free. Birdie the Brilliant online pbs exactly so guys that's gonna be it as far as this interview goes thank you so much gabriella i do appreciate you taking the time out of your day to talk about this thank you matt for also commenting on the review that i've done and Is reaching that... out to me because if it wasn't for matt uh i wouldn't have had a way to actually reach out to you other than maybe instagram whenever you send me that lovely message and i wish that Instagram would actually notify me when I have a message because I had to go into message request to find it. I'm like, I'm like, really? I'm like, okay. But it was so moving and so powerful to hear what you thought of our review. But thank you so much. I do appreciate yeah, that. Thank you for having me. It was such Anytime. a pleasure. It was definitely a pleasure. Please come back on again. I'd like to just interview you or, you know, just do something, maybe a top five show or something. I, I really enjoy <laughs> Uh, chatting with you. 
Uh, but anyways, tonight at 8 o'clock Central Time, 9 o'clock Eastern Time, I will be back here again reviewing the new Avenged Sevenfold album. Um, because this is actually something I'm new I'm doing, Gabriella. It's called Intermission. So think of intermission as like you guys waiting in line for a ticket and you're chatting with somebody. It's like, oh, have you heard the new Avenged Sevenfold? Well, let me know, well, how was the album? Oh, I didn't like this song, but I like this song. Or it could be uh, top five comfort movies or something like that. And you're just chatting in line with somebody about comfort movies or video games or anything. So that's basically what intermission is. It's just me having a casual conversation with somebody. And that's how I'm going to be doing these intermissions to be 20 to 30 minutes long. So that's going to be 8 o'clock Central Time, 9 o'clock Eastern Time, reviewing Avengers uh, Level's new album, uh, Life is But a Dream. So that's going to be it as far as the show goes. Thank you again so much. I do appreciate this. Thank you, Matt, again, for allowing me to be able to interview Gabriella. And thank you for your insight as well. And I'm glad that everybody enjoyed the review. So always until next time, guys. Bye-bye. Bye. Bye.